Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Um, before I mentioned, I was looking, I came across these these lines the other day. This is this is not the preach, but I came across some um, ten of the things you never hear in church. And my favourite three, I just selected three, was um, Pastor, the leadership team would like to send you to Bahamas this year for the Bible College. <laughs> that, was my, that was number three for me. And number two was, hey, it's my turn to sit on the front row this week. There'll be no empty front row in heaven, will there? Everyone will be rushing to the front row in heaven. And this is one of my favourite ones. Hey, because everyone here is early, let's start the worship. <laughs> <laughs> we know what it's like, don't we? Praise God. God gives us, God gives us a sense of humour. Well, mine sometimes, I suppose. We'll see what happens. Today, God has really put in my heart to share his heart, to share the depth of his love for you. It's been really imprinted on me for the last couple of months now to really get into his heart sometimes we take the cross at Easter and and not really understand the depth of the pain that God went through for that the father it's my desire and passion to follow him because when I realized really what he'd done for me I want to give him everything I want to get to know him I really want to get to know him not that he's a dictatorial God in heaven, he isn't. But I want to get to know him personally so I can live my life daily with him as a communion every day in every decision I make and everything I say. I think it's, it's a shame that for far too long, millions of people have come to church over a couple of thousand years now, praying to worship, but not knowing God. Not knowing him. Jesus has got a personality. <laughs> he's real. He's funny. He's, he's everything. That's why God sent his son to be amongst us so we can experience him, to see him in flesh, to understand him. But now he's here by his spirit to reveal all the truth of his word, the Bible. So it's my privilege today to stand here to to have this placed in my heart by the Lord and to understand more about him. So we're ready for this. I'm going to scatter around the Bible in a few different parts um, to pick out facets of his personality to, to share. So I've asked Joe to read the first passage for us. Thank you, Joe. Morning, church. The readings from Luke chapter 24, and we'll be starting at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, 
What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Amen. Great passage. Great passage. My first point today is to remind us that Jesus is walking with you. This is the same day of the resurrection. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. The same day of the resurrection, they were walking. The two disciples, they were feeling sorry for themselves. Their hopes were dashed. Their dreams were crushed. Their hope had gone. Jesus had been crucified. The Messiah is gone. They were miserable. They were sad. Their heads were on the ground walking. But Jesus comes alongside them. Because they were so sad, they had missed the significance of the greatest day in history. The resurrection. They were so sad, they didn't even recognise it was Jesus who came beside them. After a while together, you get to know someone pretty familiar, you would, you'd, you'd recognise them, wouldn't you? If Lily would walk up here now, I'd think I'd recognise her. You know, so I've been with her for a few years now. <laughs> you get to recognise people. But they were so down in the dumps, they didn't even recognise it was Jesus walking with them. Jesus wants to remind us today that there, there are people probably here now walking on that road. You're, you're in a season where the, your dreams are crushed, your hopes are, 
you, you, the job you wanted isn't there. You're going through a desolate road at the moment. But Jesus is walking beside you. You don't recognize that, but he's walking beside you. He wants to remind you to keep walking. You're feeling crushed, feeling without hope, but he wants you to know that he is walking with you. That's for you today, for someone today, that he's walking with you. We all go through seasons of our life of walking down long roads and, and not seeing the results or our blessings or whatever it may be. But these are seasons to form us, to change us, to make us the people God wants us to be. If we receive blessings all the time, we wouldn't be who we are. We appreciate it then, don't we? And we recognize it's all from God. All things good and all things bad are from God. We have to accept that. But get our heads up. Don't be downcast. He is walking with you. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he lives in you. As I say, it may be a season of crushed dreams, perhaps. But take heed of this point. This is the day of the resurrection in this story. Jesus rose from the dead. He cares so much about his people that he didn't announce his resurrection in the temple courts in front of all the leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who had him arrested and says, ha ha, in your face, here I am. No, he went to his people who he cared for. He didn't do that. I would have done that probably. I said, ah, look, in your faces. But he cares individually for each person. He goes to them. I've shared it before. He went to the beach, didn't he, with his disciples. That's where he chose to be. The resurrected Jesus chose to be with his people and not the kings and the nobles. He wants to be with his people. He's a relational God. He loves you so much that he does that for you. He chose. Jesus chose to do that because he loves you. He wants to encourage you. He will never leave you alone. His word says he will never leave you or forsake you. He is walking with you always. He'll never leave you. He chose you. So when you are feeling down along this road, it's difficult. Sometimes you are walking along the road and you're you're so sad, you're so down in the dumps. It's hard to pray. It's hard to pick up the Bible and allow the word to speak to you. It's like a barrier. You think, I'm just not in the frame of mind. I can't. And then you, before you know it, you're spiraling and you, you can't pick up the word of God anymore. But in this passage we just read in verse 30 to verse 32, Jesus now at the table with them after walking with them. He says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. The disciples asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Isn't that beautiful? Were not our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us, this guy? Allow him to open the scriptures to you. Allow him to burn in your heart again. The word combined with the spirit is power, is fire. 
I admire the ministry of Gideons and people like that distributing Bibles in the hotels and guest houses and schools because they know the word has power. And when someone's lonely and, and sad, it speaks to them. Like this disciples, weren't they? Were not our hearts burning when he spoke the scriptures to us? So when you're feeling down, keep coming to Bible studies. Get around Christians who can help you. If you don't understand parts of the Bible, ask for their wisdom. No one knows it all. Only God. It's good to have doubts because doubts actually reinforces your faith as well. It's good to doubt sometimes because you ask the question, and then you get answered, and then it builds your faith up. You think, yeah, now I'm getting it. I used to be the biggest critic nine, ten years ago. All my objections. I remember going to the vicar of the Anglican church where I became a Christian, and he was calm. He just battered away everything I said. I thought, he's good. He is good. I had all my atheist questions, and he was just batting them away, and I was thinking, this man's got something. He knows what he's talking about. You get doubts. You get questions. You can ask. Ask men of wisdom. Ask women of wisdom. Share your concerns. Share your secrets and pray with that. But allow Jesus to walk alongside you. He cares so much for you. He walks with you. He'll never leave you. That's our God. He's amazing. The, the, the disciples knew the word, but needed it explaining. You know, Jesus wasn't a bad Bible teacher here, was he, really? It was quite a good Bible teacher to have. So we need Bible teachers with the same wisdom. So we need to keep praying and, and raise up Bible teachers and leaders. I like this passage because it reveals other sides of Jesus' character. That we can miss. In verse 15, the disciples were talking, weren't they? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them says, Are you only a visitor? Don't you know what's happened in these days? What things? Jesus says. What are you discussing and what has happened? Jesus asked these two questions. Don't you think he knows what happened? Has he now suffered some short-term memory loss or something? Maybe it's all got a bit too much for him and he's forgotten. Why has the king of the universe on resurrection day now come down to his disciples because he loves them? But why is he now just asking ignorant questions? What's happened? What things? What are you talking about? He's the center of everything. And now the king of the universe is asking these questions, but he knows the answers. What is he doing? I believe there's a bigger agenda. It's you and me. That's the agenda. Because when you, when you're with friends, you have a little play with friends, don't you? I believe. It's nice to, to have relationship. I remember when some years ago, 10, 15 years ago in an office, there were some redundancies. Okay, it's not a good story. But God brings all good things out bad. And um, we had a temporary secretary in the front. 
And uh, so I, what I did, I used to ring through the switchboard and to ask for all the people that were made redundant. So I, I'd ring up and I'd say, hello, put a voice on. Keep myself from being recognised, you see. So I'd put a voice on. I said, oh, hello, uh, can I speak to Brian, please? Oh, I'm sorry, he's been made redundant, doesn't work here anymore. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Oh, that's really bad. He, I'm supposed to meet him in half an hour. Where is he? Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, put me through to Adrian then. Oh, I'm sorry, he doesn't work here either. So I was going through the list. Then I put the phone down, laughing with all my colleagues. They go, oh, good one, Steve, well done. And um, then I'd do it again with another voice. Oh, hello, I would like to speak to Victor, please. Is he there? Oh, no, I'm sorry, he's been made redundant. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, uh, what am I going to do? He's supposed to be meeting me and then tomorrow. Oh, oh, can't speak to him. Again, I'll go down the list. And then I would say, then I've got a good one. I thought, right, there's a nice chap in the drawing office called Steve Cassidy. Put me through to him. But the phone was busy because it was me. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, I'm sorry, he's Lions Engage. Lions Engage, oh, he's a very popular chap, you know. Very popular chap. <laughs> I suppose he's very busy. Yeah, it's very popular. Okay, well, leave a message for him, could you? This is his father. So, and I actually met this woman a few years later, actually a few years ago in Sainsbury's, and we laughed about it. I said, do you remember when I did that? She goes, yeah, you were, yeah. You know, but I think that's what Jesus would be like. He wants to share those intimate moments, doesn't he? I really believe that. This is the God we serve. How personal, how friendly and loving. When you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's like that. It's not a list of things to do. It's personal, it's fun, it's, he helps you along the way all the time. That's our God. Personal. Wonderful. They did not recognize him. Why didn't they recognize him? Did he have a disguise on or something? You know, if that was me, and I was walking alongside and met Rob and Jerry on the road, I'd want a disguise. Maybe I'd put a beard on or something, and a hat or something, and they didn't recognise him. But if it was G, he's the most recognisable figure in all of history. They'd have recognised him, even if they were sad. Maybe you put a voice on. Maybe you put an accent on. Maybe he was looking, walking alongside them, and he goes, You're right, lads, what are you doing? What are you talking about as you go along? All right? Aren't you from round here? No, I'm from Birmingham. Where are you from? <laughs> Jerusalem, Galilee. Do you know what's happened? No, what's happened? What's happened? Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. I'm really sorry for your loss. Let's keep walking. Come on. <laughs> okay. Maybe he wasn't from Birmingham. Maybe he was from somewhere else. Yeah, right, lads. How are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> right. Maybe. And they say, don't you from round here? Do you know what's happened? No, mate. What's happened? I'm from Liverpool. Where are you from? Jerusalem, Galilee. Jesus died on the cross. I'm really sorry for your lass. Come on, let's carry on walking. Maybe he did a voice. I don't know. Now, I've got nothing against people from the north. I love the people from the north. Maybe he's, maybe he's put an accent from the south, because my dad's from the south. I love the south. Maybe he's sort of brazen. All right, lads, how's it going? All right, what's happening? What's happening? Right? Aren't you from around here? Do you know what's happened? Nah, mate, I'm from London, you know. What's happened? Maybe he did that. Jesus, he died on the cross. Oh, I'm really sorry for your loss, eh, lad? Let's keep on talking. Maybe, maybe he did. That's what I would have done. 
I would have put accent on and got away with it. Like on the phone. And have some laughs afterwards. But it continues. It continues, doesn't it? Right at the end. Verse 28, 29. As they approached the village, Jesus acted as he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly even the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. Urged him strongly. The resurrected king was urged strongly to come back for dinner. So what's he doing? He's got his disguise on. He's walking along. All right, lads. I'll see you later, boys. See you later. No, come back for dinner. Not, and he goes, all right then. They urged him strongly. They must have asked him two or three or four times. No, please come back for dinner. Oh, okay then. This is Jesus, the resurrected king on resurrection day, having a moment with these disciples. Isn't that beautiful? I find that endearing. I find that so touching. This isn't religion. This is relational. This is relational. This is our God. He's relational. Endearing beyond words. Because as friends, we share stories. We share private moments. We share those moments of speech and impersonations or whatever it may be. I've been caught out a few times as well with people ringing up asking for things. You know? Because Jesus is a wonderful, personal, relational God. He shows that. And that's what the Father is. That's how much he loves you. What do you think of people who are boring and serious all the time? <laughs> you know, He wants to walk with you. He's walking with you on your dusty road at the moment. He wants to open scripture with you in these tough days. Let him open the scriptures to you. And he wants a relationship with you. Our God also cries for you. Real tears. He cries for you. In John eleven thirty five. In John eleven thirty five, the shortest sentence apart from the odd Amen in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Two little words with such significance. Jesus, the great I am, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the King of the Universe. Wept, to mean distressed, broken-hearted, troubled in spirit and sad. The two words here together. The great I am, distressed. The Lord of Lords, broken-hearted. The Prince of Peace, troubled in spirit. The Alpha and Omega, the King of the Universe, sad. Displaying real emotion here. Emotion that we all feel. This is no act. Jesus is really weeping with tears. This is a story of the death of Lazarus. Uh, involves his Lazarus' two sisters, Martha and Mary. And Jesus is very fond of this family because it's a family that shows hospi- um, hospitality and love. And really understood Jesus, what he was there for. He loved this family so much. And when he saw the distress of Martha and Mary and many of the other Jews, he wept because they saw, he saw their grief. He saw their tears. He saw their sadness. He weeps for that. 
We can go to Jesus too with our tears and grief. Be assured, he knows what you're going through. When you go through your tough times and you don't feel like you can pray that or come to him with your tears and grief. He feels it. He feels it. He's real. Jesus was really troubled here. It was mentioned three times in verse 33 of, of this chapter regarding the death of Lazarus. When Jesus saw her weeping, that was Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And in verse 38, Jesus again, once more, deeply moved. These words are there to show us that our God really is moved and cares for everything you're going through. When you pray, Lord, give me your eyes, give me your heart. Sometimes when I'm praying for people and I see their situations, I'm full of those tears because I'm... I really want Jesus' heart when I minister to people. And that's how Jesus is. It breaks to see this world. It breaks him to see the suffering of the world because that's the way the world's gone and it's spiraling out of control. He breaks for them. And that's why he wants disciples and people like us to go out on the streets and minister to these people to show them the love of Jesus and that you, our God loves you. He wept for you. Because when we read these things, read these scriptures, we get to know more about our God. That he's a personal, relational God. He's walking with you. He loves you. He wept for you. Let's pray for you. That's our God. It's easy in difficult times to put Jesus aside and focus on the, the, the problem or the, the very moment of grief we're in. But we need to, under, to go to him as well in these times. It's hard, but we, but we know that he felt it. He understands our grief. He sees our tears. He displayed it. The Alpha and Omega weeping. The Alpha and Omega weeping tears for his people. In Psalm 56 8. Did you? Praise God. The spirit of the body working here, you see. <laughs> 56.8, record my lament, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? God is counting all our tears. He counts them. He collects them in a bottle. He collects all our tears. Who's collecting God's tears? Who's collecting his tears? He cries for us. He cries for us. How many tears has God shed for this world? And I think with Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, he's personal and, and there's a side to him that we miss sometimes. But at the end of this story, with Lazarus, I think it's a gem. In the verses 38 to 44, in John 11, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he says. Jesus knew what he was going to do, didn't he? Six days before, when he first learned of Lazarus' illness, 
that he was going to be glorified and show the power of God, the resurrection power of, of beating death. Martha responded, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days in the tomb. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and says, I love this prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus knew that Lazarus was all bandaged up. When he says, Lazarus, come out, Lazarus didn't come walking out, did he? He just says he was tied up, head to toe, cloth around his face. He would have come out of the tomb like that, wouldn't he? Right? <laughs> cloth around his face. Take off the grave clothes, let him go. Right? So he's unraveling the cloth around his face. Oh, thanks, Jesus. I was suffocating in there. Jesus knew. He would have done a little Lazarus. It's personal. It's humor in the moment of grief, too. There's hope. In your grief, there is hope. There's resurrection hope. There is hope that because your God cares for you, he cries for you, he's walking with you. That's how much he loves you. There is hope. And above another thing, Jesus is praying for you. He prays for us. Point three, he's praying for you. In John chapter 17, there's a prayer from Jesus. He's praying for us. We worry about our prayer life all the time, praying to him. But he's already praying for us. Way in the sky. He's praying for his believers, for himself, for his disciples. John chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. He's praying for himself, for what he is about to endure. Father, give me the strength. Glorify your son that you may be glorified, Lord. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus' prayer to his Father. Then verses 6 to 19, he's praying for his disciples. Deeply, deep prayer. Heartfelt prayer. Conversation with God. Verses 14 to 19. Talking about his disciples. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one in the world. Applies to us. It's praying. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For then, for them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. He's praying for protection for his disciples, for us. From it, he's aware of the battle we're going to have. 
He loves us so much, he wants us to be protected in this time before he comes again. He's praying for your protection. He's praying over you. And in the rest of this chapter, from verse 20, he's praying for the rest of the believers who come after, all the believers, including us. Verses 21, back to 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, Lord, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Beautiful. He's involving us all as one. He's praying as Jesus and the Father are one, the Spirit are one, us to be ingrained into that too, as one body. He's praying for us. He prays for us to see his glory, there we read. May they see my glory, Lord. May they see my glory, Lord, on earth. And as we're a church that step out and put the word of God into practice on the streets, in our workplaces, we see his glory. We see lives changed, addictions broken, healings, glory of God we see in action. Because Jesus prayed for that right here. And he continues to pray for that. Unity for Jesus is very important. He prayed a lot here for unity. The body. In these four walls, we are one body of Christ. Operating together, all different parts. The nose may say to the, the toe, sometimes you smell. But we're one body. We all have to get along. Jesus prayed for it. Let's listen to this prayer. You know, look around you. Get used to them because they're going to spend a long time with them in heaven. <laughs> One body, unity. We recognize that we are different, of course. God's given us different personalities and different gifts. We have to learn to get along. Remember, Jesus prayed for unity. Not just inside a church, but across all churches and denominations. Not too busy wide what others are doing and why they're different to us. But recognizing if we're all striving that one goal, which is to put Jesus' word into action and to be obedient to his word and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that's all we can do. Just be faithful and honest to the word of God. That's all we can do. Don't get too worried about what other churches do or how other denominations worship or, or whatever they may do. We just be faithful to what God's called us to do. Listen to him. Let's be united. Acknowledge they may do things different, but be united. If they got the same goal as reaching the lost, that's it. I used to grow up in a church. Where it was a different kind of church, but they had the same goal. They seek to save the lost, to give hope to the homeless, to give hope to those in, in addictions. Great ministry. We have to encourage it. There's a place for all church because everyone's different. But as long as we have Jesus, his Holy Spirit, his word of God, we put it into practice. 
The enemy knows that over the years he can use church as a weapon against God's truth coming out. And that's happened, as I said in the beginning. Millions of people come to churches and not knowing what God is, who he is. But on our prayer here, we thank God for our pastor Phil, who a man is filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, puts the word of God into practice. And as a result, the kingdom of God is growing in these four walls and out. Because we're obedient to the word of God. We're a Pentecostal and unashamedly so. We love our worship. And what is it, a great time of worship this morning? Beautiful to enter his presence with shouts of joy. We allow the freedom of the Holy Spirit to move. But it's got to be girded up by the word of God and obedience to the word of God. The word and the spirit is power. Too much of the word, you will dry up. Too much of the spirit, you will blow up. (laughs) I borrowed that from someone. I don't know who it was. (laughs) So church unity. Jesus prayed for it. Same army, different battalion. That's all it is. So praying, praying is really a conversation with God. We can struggle to come to prayer sometimes and find it hard. You sit down, you've got your Bible, your text phone goes, your, your, your TV remote's there. and These are all distractions stopping you. But you've got to make that priority. Difficult with the distractions of the world nowadays. Your phone goes off, oh, it's somebody else texting. You've got to be strict about it. You've got to be strict about it. You've got to cut off sometimes distractions and focus on God. He's worth knowing. He is so worth knowing. Sometimes you have to sacrifice things. Lily had to sacrifice a lot to go to Columbia these last two weeks because we believed it was God calling her to go to do what she's got to do there. So at great cost comes sacrifice. And sometimes we have to sacrifice. And some of the things we do sacrifice actually aren't really important. You can live without a TV for a couple of weeks if you want to get serious with God, really. You know, I've done that these last couple of weeks. I've, I've really been strict with what I'm doing without Lily being there. I'm just focused on the word of God. I've been trying to prepare for, for God to use me today and, and in many ways. And I was focused on him. So sacrifice comes with obedience sometimes. And Jesus prayed that for himself, that he would be strengthened for what was going to happen to him. And that's the depth of his love for you, isn't it? Just start coming up. Our God... Is a personal God. He loves you with an unending love. He's walking with you when you don't realize it. He can talk to you through his word. Allow him to open the scriptures to you. He loves you so much. He's praying for you. That's our God. He prays for you. And as he's praying, he's crying for you. 
when we talk about the suffering of the cross, we think about the pain that Jesus in his body endured, physical pain that he endured. What about the Father's pain? When Jesus came into the River Jordan that time, this is my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased. What was he going through as Jesus was being inflicted with pain? What was his pain? What was his pain? Parents here, when our children get a little graze on the knee, oh, bless them, oh, a little graze, we'll put some pseudo cream on that, you'll be all right. It breaks your heart, but you cuddle them. That's your father's heart, isn't it, for your little ones? You feel that graze, you feel that pain. You want to protect your children with cotton wool, don't you? I can imagine mothers watching their sons play football, you know, they're going for crunching tackles and they're cringing. They feel the pain of their children. Parents feel what their children are going through. If you're a real parent, you will feel it. If you love your children, you will feel their pain and anguish. My oldest son, Nick, he, a few years back, he fell off his bike in an accident. And I heard he was in A&E. As I went to a and I didn't know what to expect. I, just, I knew that he may have used his head as a brake. I don't know what he did. So I went in there. Yes, he, his nose, his chin, his cuts, and hand was bashed. and It, it was a pretty sorry sight. But I said, I'm going to be strong for my son. You'll be all right, son. You'll be good looking again one day. <laughs> and he is. Thank God for the dentist who paired his tooth and all these kind of things. But when I saw him, it's a tear, isn't it? You're feeling that pain. You see the scratch on his face. You think, oh, look, as he fell on the road and his hand, the car's missing him. You're feeling that, aren't you? You're living that pain. So as Jesus had that cross on his back and he fell on the ground again, his hands, his knees on the ground, scratched, beaten, every pain the father felt. Jesus felt it. He felt it. He felt it. As his hands were put out, dislocated shoulder, and that nail put on his hand, do you think the father not felt that? Did he just turn his back and go to the other side of the universe, do something else? No, the father felt that. The father endured the pain as much as Jesus, his son. He felt it. A parent feels it for their child. Every blow of the mallet he felt. Because he loves you too much. He did it for us. He went through the pain because he loves his children. My other son, Lewis, who's here, when he was a little boy, him and his brother were playing games, and, and the other brother caught his lip, and there were some stitches put in his lip. Have a little, look at a little scar later. <laughs> he was at the hospital, and because it was quite a delicate stitch in, he had to put him to sleep, under anaesthetic. So he's a little boy at the time. And they tried to put the mask on him as he was doing it. And I was just watching. And then suddenly Lewis was fighting against the mask. No, I'm not having that mask on me. And then all of a sudden his body just went limp. Fell asleep. 
That was it. That was waterworks. Seeing your son like a corpse, just limp. I was like this. The nurse was going, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. My son, my son. That's the parent's heart. It's a parent's heart. But there was rejoicing. That after the operation, Lewis laid there, sound asleep. And suddenly, cool, that was a good sleep. First words, he woke up. <laughs> Didn't know what was going on. But the f- agony is apparent you go through. That body limp. Oh, that will live with me. Because I love him so much. Because I love him. So as Jesus' body went limp on that cross, the father felt that pain too. His son dying on a cross for you. John 3.16 For why God does love you so much? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but of eternal life. So a moment of reflection now, what God is to you. Just respond to our Father in heaven now, in your own way. To fully understand the magnitude of his love for you. To send his son to die for you. Because he loves you so, so much. Thank you, Father. To take away today that remember that he is walking with you. He sees you in your sadness. He sees you on your dusty road at the moment. He's coming alongside you. He wants to minister to you. He wants to give you hope through his word. Just like the disciples, don't look at your momentary trouble, but look at the bigger picture. You're part of a bigger picture. And your momentary troubles are only moments and they will pass. He wants to walk alongside you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you to come into relationship with him. He cries for you, for your anxiety, for your anguish, for your grief. And he suffered and died for you. Father, we don't want to make you suffer anymore, Father. It's not fair, Lord, to knowingly put more sin on your shoulders, Lord. Oh, Father, I just don't want to make you, make you sad anymore for me, God. I've made you suffer enough, Lord. Thank you for your Son, for setting me free, Lord, for setting me free. You're a good, good father. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.